Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. What's going on, everyone? This is Alex Jeteris here with the next episode of the Knicks, Jets, Etc. podcast. Here, as always, going to give you a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today. First, we got a wonderful guest. We got our producer, Rice E.K., on the pod with us today, the Raisin Man himself. And we're going to talk about his Knicks fandom, our Knicks fandom coming together. All right. So we're going to talk about where it started, where it is now where we see the team going, just keeping a light for today. And then John, are you alive? What do we got for et cetera? I know with the Jets lost, but how are you doing? <laughs> Dude, the Jets didn't lose. The Jets got absolutely massacred. Uh, for et cetera today, um, we're going to change it up a little. We'll talk to uh, Ricey about some of his expertise, which is music and law and some interesting stuff going on in the media right now and in the uh, mainstream. And we'll touch on the Sunday slate if we have to and that silly little game they play with pigskin. Yeah, sounds good. uh, It sounds like John's about to die, but okay. You know what to do, Ricey. everyone Alex Terrace here with the Knicks Jets etc podcast with the Knicks episode and with me as always my co-host my buddy the man who looks like he just came back from the grave after watching the Jets get beat down by the San Francisco 49ers and beat down is probably putting it lightly John are you alive today it's so crazy dude because I was talking to a good friend of mine at like literally 1255 and I was like yo isn't this the best feeling in the world Right now, like 12.55 to 1 p.m. on a fall Saturday, a fall Sunday, like especially the beginning fall Sundays, like this is like one of our first ones in New York. Oh, man. And then just the horror and the misery that just comes down upon us in an avalanche. And it's just not fair that the rest of the world and the league is just enjoying their life on Red Zone. You know what I mean? Because like I'm watching Red Zone. I'm like, everybody else is having such a great time. And then I changed to Fox today, and I have to watch the Jets just, like, put me into a grave. So I'm so happy we're talking here to talk about the Knicks and everything, not the Jets. And introduce my, my boy, Ricey, dude. What up, dude? All right. We, all we've been doing mentioning your name and talking that, uh, about your music and the fact that you're making us sound halfway decent, but... But up, man, I'd like to introduce uh, our boy Ricey. Alex, you want to give him the 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 real intro? The real intro. Exactly. Every guest deserves the real intro. So let's talk about our producer, all right? Ricey Mobel. We got him. Not only is the producer of this podcast of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast, he's also beats maker of his own music, aka the Raisin Man. He's also the host of his own podcast. Ricey K and Friends podcast. Also, he's a producer for Drum, Mickey Fax, Jacque, 
Double XL, VH1, Revolt TV, you name it, he's done it. He's also a fucking attorney. What hats don't you wear, bro? Just honestly, what hats don't you wear? My guy, thank you, thank you. How you guys doing, man? We're good, man. How are you doing? <laughs> are you ready to talk? Good. It's finally, it's, a, yeah, it's an honor to be here. I'm the guy who does the editing behind the scenes. I'm the Wizard of Oz, as they say. So it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> It's a, it's a pleasure to have you, my man. Um, we're happy to have you on. It's great to know that you at least are excited about one team that we talk about, that you have to listen to countless hours throughout the week. We make Rice listen to the Jets podcast, and, you know, he's always texting us that he's learning about the Jets and just, you know, he enjoys the conversation, tells us, like, if we're doing good, where we need to improve on. Honestly, like, best producer that we could possibly, like, fall into our laps. Um, but – when it comes to the Knicks, he like actually enjoys the Knicks. So he doesn't have to like be tortured listening to us talk about the Jets and just now be miserable about the Jets. Cause unlike John today, I was just laughing and angry at the same time. Just instead of just be like miserable, miserable and just sad. I was just like, what the is going on with this goddamn team? <laughs> Why can't we be good? Um, but I can answer that question in two words, Adam Gase, but I won't go into that deep conversation right now. Um, so Ricey, you're a Knicks fan. You, I know you. You love the orange and blue just like we do. Uh, where did it start, man? How, how did you get? How did you fall in love with this team? So basically, um, my Knicks fandom started probably when I was around eight years old. When I actually moved to New York, um, a lot of people were Knicks fans. Um, one of my closest friends, uh, Major Capers, he goes by Mr. Capers, and um, he's always been a Knicks fan since he was a little kid. So um, since I was close with him, um, I started picking up the fandom. And, you know, I started watching the old, like, highlights, of, you know, back when we were nice, like with Ewing, Charles Oakley, Starks, you know, the golden era. And uh, even going further back when Bernard King and, you know, Clyde was playing. So I, I picked up that Knicks fandom. It's, it's nuts because it went through the whole Marbury era and all that. We'll talk about it. But um, it started really young. And I just stuck with it because it's an identity in New York. So... That's that's how I'd say. Nice. I feel about it. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I can kind of. Um, how old are you exactly? I don't even know like how old you are. <laughs> like, what's what, what's your age? <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm 30 years old. So, so I'm born in '89. So you know, I I was a kid, but I remember seeing those duels with the Knicks and Bulls. I know that hatred, and I know everybody liked Mike. Even I'm not gonna even lie, I like Mike. But it was always, always cool seeing how rugged the Knicks were. Um, that hard nose play basketball it was really, like, it, it was enticing to me, even at a young age. So, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, that, that's such, the, the Jordan thing. That's such a huge, uh, that was such a huge part of my Knicks fandom growing up. And people, like, always sound weird. And especially now, they get so taken it back. Like, when I say, like, I hate Jordan. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't like Michael Jordan. Like I like his shoes. His shoes are fantastic. Like I'm a big Jordan ones guy, especially low top. Like, but I'm he's a good basketball player. But I hate Jordan. He made me miserable. <laughs> you know what I mean? As a Knicks fan, so uh, I'm glad you like brought that up right away because, like, especially like I, I enjoyed the Last Dance documentary as much as the next guy, probably even more. Especially you know, especially the Knicks episode. Um, an all-star game episode, even though, again, it was terrible <laughs> uh, for the soul. Um, 
But yeah, dude, like I that was for me. I, I I'm in the same boat as Ricey. Like growing up, like the first thing I know is like those Knicks, like the quote unquote golden era Knicks. I never won anything, but <laughs> you know, like you know, that I got close. <laughs> um, and then like hating Jordan and Reggie Miller. You know, what I mean, that's a, and and the Miami Heat. Like that's just that's just part of the game. Uh, yeah, it was a beautiful and it was beautiful. Um, it was a beautiful part of the game. Um. Yeah, the Knicks, the Bulls, the Heat. But, yeah, the Knicks were really – I mean, they were awesome. Patrick Ewing, I was a huge fan of Pat. Um, I was a big fan of Charles Oakley because he, he didn't let you go in the in the paint. You were going to get knocked. It doesn't matter. And John Starks played with heart. Um, he's one of my favorite players in the Knicks because he always played with heart. So Definitely. Yeah, so I'm like – so we're all in the same age group. Okay, so I'm around – like, same with you guys – those 90 basketball, 90 basketball Knicks, like that was a team that we grew up with, the team that I love. Patrick Ewing was my guy, actually, when I started uh, playing basketball because I am, I am like, I am part Jamaican. And, you know, my family was like, oh, look, Patrick Ewing, he's Jamaican. Look at him playing for the Knicks. He's awesome. He's great. And, you know, for my, t- for at the time when I was a kid, when I started playing basketball, I was the tallest kid, like one of the tallest kids on the team. So like, my family always thought I was going to be like this monstrosity of like a person like standing like six nine, six ten. They're like, oh, you're going to keep growing, keep growing. You should be playing power forward and center. So like I was always like the one of the posts just like backing people down. Like I remember just like watching Patrick Ewing and like he had that nice, like he had that nice mid-range jumper, the turnaround, just being able to finish and just like body people down low. I was not that good to do it at that age, but he was the guy like who I love to follow. And like that was re- number 33 is the jersey that I love. I love Patrick Ewing. I love the heart. The captain, he left it on the line. He he let his knees die out for us to just like enjoy something every single day. And then I never I didn't like it how we did him dirty. We should have never traded him to the Sonics for like what we got in return was just crap. And I feel like that's just the curse that we've like inherited by doing that. Um, but yeah, him, Starks, gotta love Oak, even though Oak has been saying some like wild stuff about Patrick Ewing recently. Um but then I also like that last year that that year that Pat was here with Spree and uh, with Houston. That was that was fun. I like those type of I like those I like those guys. Spree brought um, up Allen Houston. Yep, I remember Allen Houston. Spree, well, killers, man, killers. Absolutely, and you know, like Allen Houston was just like shooting lights out. We got him from uh, I believe it was Detroit at the time. Spree, we got from the Warriors, and Spree after he choked his coach out, and then like what's what's actually what's actually crazy about Spree is I actually went to high school with his daughter, and he lived like right down the street from me, and so like I, she like she one she could ball out like absolute baller, but it was just crazy just being like knowing that I was that close to like Spree because I like. I love I love Spreewell's game. I love like the fast transition, just playing like gritty, just like not afraid of contact, and just being like a, a, a just like a, a hard nosed defender. Like just love that. I just love those teams. And then since from then, like it started going downhill. You know, like how we all sit, like what we see today. It was just been it's been it's been terrible. But so like, let me get everyone's favorite Nick at this time. So mine is Ewing Rice. It was it was yours uh, Starks. Like, was that your favorite uh, player? Like, if you had to do it or was it like more of like a group thing? Like, how, how do you feel? So I'll say my, yeah, I'll say John Starks is my all-time favorite, but Melo is my recent favorite, obviously, because he brought that swag in New York. And I really, I thought we were going somewhere when Coach Woody was 
was taking it home. I was re- the next tape era. We'll talk about it, but the next tape era. Oh man, I was ready for it. But I say John Starks by far because of his heart. He was a great baller. Yeah, I, I can appreciate. I can always appreciate a Starks love. And John, how about yourself? Are you a Starks guy too? Yeah, uh, I mean Starks is my dude. I mean, uh, I think you you've seen my my only like Nick jersey that I I have my rock. Uh, and I get made fun of constantly for it, but I wear my John Starks champion jersey, my blue one, like the, the 99 with the black one down the side. Like that's my beach jersey, and I just wear that. And I don't care how douchey I look. Like that's just what I wear to the beach. Like I don't care. Like that, that's just that's just what it is. Yep. Uh, but it's, it's it's funny that you, it's funny that you said that with the with the trades with the Ewing thing. Uh, now that I never thought about it, we traded all those guys, dude. We traded all those guys away. So not just you, like all the guys that you mentioned, we traded away. So I like didn't even think about that. Yeah, I guess like, but the thing is, like, we look at Ewing because Ewing was like the, I guess, the heart and the soul of the team, like the 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 real focal point. Because once we got rid of uh, Bernard King, right, it was all focused on Ewing for like the late '80s, going from the mid to late '80s throughout all the '90s, and he gave a long career and. You know, it was a contract dispute because when he he got injured and like we didn't know how much more he could bring back to the team. But that was really like the most probably the most iconic trade because he was the guy like Alan, uh, not Alan Houston, uh, John Starks. He came off like practice squad. He barely made the team like if it wasn't for an injury, he wouldn't be making the team. I forget who got injured. And it's like Anthony Mason, too. The other dude who I, I love from those teams, Anthony Mason played with a lot of heart. That dude was just a baller. Dude was stocky, didn't care. Oh, my God. That guy. Mace, Mace was definitely, like, one of my top three favorites, like, from that team. I, I love – even though he didn't, like, stay on the team that long, I, I love the way Mace played. Yeah, Mason's the man. Dude. The, that, that number 14 – uh, old school uh, baby blue Knicks jersey. That's a fire champion jersey too. That's facts. A, that's facts. That's Love a, that jersey. Yeah. Anthony Mason was that dude. He was that dude for real. <laughs> Ricey, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Fat Joe like quasi confirm that the Biggie story to tell song was about uh, Mason? Yep. <laughs> yep. So so uh, yeah, Fat Joe did sort of spill the beans on that. That's been a myth for years about who Biggie was talking about, the story to tell. So he said um, it was Anthony Mason, which <laughs> just makes me laugh because I feel like I don't I don't believe that it was him because I just feel like he wouldn't let that go down like that, the way <laughs> the song went. So for those of you who don't know, the, the song uh, was basically like uh, Biggie like uh, cheated, uh, cheating with Mason's significant other during the game. And people deduced it to like a, it was he was playing the Utah Jazz, and people deduced it to like a specific day and then a uh, uh, like specific era, and then they um, they had Fat Joe like recently uh, uh, was rumored to bring Biggie. But every time, poor guy. Now every time I think about Mason, I think about that song. So he's always he's always like attached to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's sad, man. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, to Mace. The last time I saw Mace was actually uh, – I saw I was at a Manhattan College basketball game, and his son, who was playing for Niagara University, he was there in the in the stands. And you could not miss Mace just because how big he was. But his son was balling out that day. His son dropped like 27, like just 
crazy. His son was built like him too, just a, a shooting guard form. If you can you imagine like a dude like who has the body of like a power forward like Mace just playing shooting guard? Like he was driving it to the lane, just like it was just like watching like a Mack truck just coming down the lane, just like knocking people out. But that was the last time I saw a Mace. Mace, I miss you, man. I wish I wish you I wish I wish we I wish uh I wish the Knicks kept you longer and were able to use you more because you had uh you had a, you still had a good career when you went down to Miami, which was that's just that's just that's a travesty of itself because we hate the Miami Heat, hate the Pacers. Which I just want to clear, like I know, like we're as New Yorkers, we're against Boston, but like I don't even know where like the Celtics, like truly, like how do you guys feel about like against the Celtics? Like because the teams I hate the most as a Knicks fan are the Pacers, the Heat. Like those are the top two teams that like I absolutely hate, and I, I don't like I like I'm not saying I'm, like I'm a fan of the Celtics, but like they're not like on like my my hit list of teams. Yeah, I even put Philly in front of uh, Boston as well. Yeah, I can get with that. It's weird. I don't know yeah. what it is as well. I don't know what's going on with the Celtics because there's no other sport where obviously Boston is number one hatred. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, so like I, I get it. Like with like the Yankees, it's the Red Sox. With the Jets, it's the Patriots. Um, even on hockey, like Rangers and Bruins, like two different divisions, but they're the original six and like I get it. Like, totally get it. But, like, the Knicks and the Celtics, like, we don't even – like, every time, like, it, it's either, like, they're good and we're bad and vice versa. Like, every time, like, we're on. So, I, I can almost guarantee when the Celtics start sucking, we'll be good. But hopefully that's not too long. Hopefully we actually be good at the same time because it seems like with Tatum and uh, Brown, they're going to be good for a while. Yeah, I was going to say that's – hopefully hopefully you're really wrong about that, man, because they're looking, looking – they're on their way up right now. For sure. For me – for for me, um, I I don't think there's really too much of a rivalry between Knicks and, and the Celtics. I don't I just don't see it personally. I absolutely hate Indiana Pacers because I was such a Knicks fan. So like when you know the whole choking deal with Reggie Miller and Spike Lee, <laughs> Spike Lee in the crowd, that whole ordeal. I just I just didn't like Indiana because of what they did in New York. So that stuck with me for. a like the longest time so i can attest to that i mean <laughs> yeah i can get with that and then like the the beat down between us and the heat like i get that as well but not saying like we're celtics fans or anything like that like we appreciate boston but i just don't understand like the the major hatred but let's let's move on to like talk about this like the knicks fandom that we have for this team and like we know we, we brought up the you know as ricey brought up it was the um Stephon Marbury years, I guess we can call it for a lack of a better term, because he was the icon dude of the team, the point guard score. We got him from Minnesota. You know, he was that dude. How, what was like, what did you think? What did you guys think of that era? That era was like, it was just such a, I don't even know. It's like, I don't even know what to make of that era. It was just, just kind of like, it was just there. Like it happened. Like he scored a lot of points. Jamal Cross. It's, it's rep- <laughs> But there's really nothing else I can go with it. What do you guys think, bro? It's repressed in my memory. Like, honestly, it's repressed. I don't even, the whole Stefan Marbury, what's his name? Eddie Curry. Eddie Curry. Oh my God. That whole, that whole, (laughs) it's repressed. I know Jamal Crawford, Jamal Crawford was there. I remember him having, he still has his handles. Just remember highlights of him. Just diddy bopping everybody in the court. So that was great. But, and I was, I thought he was going to go off. See if Steph Despon Marbury was going to go off, but of course we know how that went. So that's repressed in my memory. 
Yeah, man, Jay Crossover was – I mean, he was the heart and soul of that team. I remember those – Some he had some buzzer beaters. I specifically remember a half-court one uh, during those days. But, man, when you say Stefan Marbury, I just think of those Starberries, right? Like when yep. Was had, like, two, three pairs. Yeah, yo. Real expensive. Yeah. Stephen Berries. Yeah, like thirteen ninety five or whatever. Like, those, that was good times. I remember my brother had, like, all the pairs. He even had, like, the lifestyle shoes. Like, they're 13 bucks. Like, and, and, like, he's a huge dick space. Like, oh, yeah, Marbury. Who cares? Like. Yeah, no, totally. I had, like, two pairs because they're 15 bucks. So, like, but the thing is, like, they just ran out every time you played them on the court. It was, like, it was over. So, like, I, it just made no sense. <laughs> like, I get it was, like, for, like, the urban community to, like, afford basketball sneakers to go out and play. Like, totally, totally behind it. But, like, come on, we need better quality sneakers than that. Like, you play, like, you play, especially if you play on uh, pavement, that thing, like, after two games, running back and forth, your your foot's coming out. <laughs> What's happening, guys? It's, like the, it's like the fruit stripe gum of sneakers. The fruit exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like you play. By the time you like tie him up, like the tread is gone. But it was, that was a good time. And then he became the king of China. That was cool. The Eddie Curry story is really sad. Have you guys caught that Player Tribune article about him? Um, I saw it, but I didn't get a chance to read it. You know, like I, if anyone's listening to this pod that hasn't gotten into it, I recommend you guys uh, going into it, the Unplayer Tribune. Eddie Curry like really went into deep about like his life. Um, he had like crazy like mental impairments like during uh, during these times, and uh, he's talking about like the contract, the contract, the contract, his weight issues, like and how that like no pun intended weight on him, right? And just like you know how. Uh, how the, how being in New York, you know, changes somebody. Like he didn't ask to be in New York. It just like happened and the contract happened and like it just like spiraled and he had crazy things going on in his like real life. So this is interesting. That era was really crazy. And the coaches were interesting too, huh? Like we we've been we uh, Alex, we've been like going back and forth, back and forth about like the Knicks coaches, like hell of a coaching, you know era back then too like Lenny Wilkins and Larry Brown like just like just like guys you know like weird guys like that you if if those if those coaches were to walk in the door today we would all like look like we would all stare at the president and the GM like he had 11 heads if he hired one of those guys today That's that's facts, and it's like you know, you can't forget Isaiah Thomas, who went from being the GM to being also the coach, and like he was the guy who's behind like the Eddie Curry trade because he had this vision that you know you could have Stephon Marbury, Jamal Crawford, Eddie Curry, and even Zach Randolph on the team, just like do something. It's like you Zach Randolph and Eddie Curry just did not work. I did know how that was a vision. He at least he had a vision. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> Most recently, Mills and Perry. I don't know what vision they had between year one to year two, but it was none. We went from doing a rebuild to then bringing on Bobby Portis, Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock. I had no idea where this team was going. It was just like, how are these guys going to develop the kids? Who's going to get enough playing time? It was really weird, man. At least I can at least give something. I can at least take a vision. But when you have no vision... His vision just was just not there. It just could not work. And then, as we all know, the whole scandals that he had and the lawsuit. Oh, my God. The, that era. Oh, my God. That Isaiah Thomas era. Oh, my God. <laughs> you just have to bring that one back. Oh, man. That was not that was not pretty at all. Not yeah, at all. The thing about is how we haven't, like, had a point guard since. And I feel like we've been, like, like searching for a point guard, like, during that time. Like, Marbury, then we brought in Steve Francis. 
right? Like, the, you know, the franchise to go with him. We haven't had a point guard since. I'll never forget. I mean, uh, this is kind of off the cuff, but the worst basketball player I think I've ever seen in my entire life is Marty Collins. And when Marty Collins was starting for the Knicks at point guard, like, those used to kill me inside, dude. Like, literally inside. Oh, my God, dude. Like, it was just so, so bad. That entire, that entire like, that was honestly, like, because was it? we're all, like, middle school going through high school at that point. Like, going through that time, like, just watching Knicks basketball, I don't, like – my fandom didn't really come back around because like I was a kid and I was just placed in front of a TV with Ewing and I didn't really get to maybe like you guys, I don't know if you guys were truly able to appreciate it, like as we are adults now, like understanding like how long it takes to get a good team and like the building that goes into it and like the, how long it takes to get a foundation to keep the continuity and like getting like the right staff and everyone aboard just to make something like tangible and like at least competent. And now when you like look back at the nineties, you're like, you're like, what? damn, I wish I was old enough to like really appreciate it. Cause I was in elementary school. Like, like all of us were all in elementary school, like when that was happening and then going through middle school and high school, like I was in and out like of like, like watching, like I didn't watch every single game. Like I watch every single game, like as an adult now, like once it's actually really funny. Like I didn't start watching every single Knicks basketball game until I actually met John, like in college. And like, it was when the, it was during the decision when um, we were supposed to get LeBron like we were thought like we're gonna get LeBron and then it's just like no we get we get not even like the second place trophy we get the third place trophy which is Amari Stoudemire and like Raymond Felton and like we had Gallo we had Mozgov we had all those dudes and like it was right around then where like they're they start they came out of the gate hot and like it was actually like hanging out with John like watching Dick's basketball there like got me right right back into it I was like all right this is this is good this is good stuff yeah nice like we're actually playing well we're competitive like there's it's fun it's fast paced because Mike D'Antonio was the head coach it was like we actually have something going on over here so but between between after Ewing left and like all the issues with like Alan Houston's just like miserable contract who didn't even play like what like how you like was worth not even like maybe half of it and then ugh, just the mulberry years was just rough man it was like it was like trying to walk through a desert looking for looking for a nice spring <laughs> yeah oh man lebron oh the decision fun fact i'm so dumb that regardless of the reports that morning about how he's definitely 100 percent going to the miami heat i am so dumb that I went with a bunch of my friends to the city and went to 42nd Street in front of that stupid ticker with that dumb TV and watched LeBron on mute with the stupid subtitles. Like, oh, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. And then next to me was uh, Jay McManamus from ESPN. And I was actually quoted in those little articles back in the day. They had ESPNNewYork.com as like a separate – uh, a website back in the day and you would like click the Jets uh, site and it would have like all the Jets parts and like I was quoted in that like article I remember it um, I mean in the Knicks part sorry my brain is just thinking about miserable things it goes straight to the Jets <laughs> this is like this man is hurt this <laughs> man is indeed hurt <laughs> yeah that's all, that's all the Knicks take especially when we start talking about these terrible memories like and I was gonna say like that's why we are the way that we are <laughs> right because like we went through all these era and like that's what we're just 
almost used to it. Like I just expect nonsense from these teams. But really quick, like just to change it for a second, because you had me um, thinking about some good times for a second. What was your, uh, I guess, like what made you get on board? Like what was your favorite memory? Because I remember for me, and especially uh, when you say that, like not understanding the magnitude of what I was watching, I remember like one of my like biggest uh, Knicks memories, early Knicks memories, and old heads would like look at me like I'm crazy because it feels like it's so recent. But the Allen Houston bump, bump off the rim versus uh, layup versus Miami Heat, like that is like I couldn't remember like that play specifically. I think like that's when like I f- the first time like I felt tense. You know, with my brother and my dad at the end of the game and understood what it's like like to be tense for a Nick game, you know. Um, and then, like, him hit the basket and, like, feel, like, elation and happiness and, like, you know, like, feel that. Like, the, the only other time I've ever felt that with my dad and my brother were Yankees, right? And, like, the Tino Martinez Grand Slam, you know, in the parking lot of, of, of a CVS when we had the radio on. And, you know, he blasted that. We just, like, slamming, you know, the – but, you know, the, the horn at everyone. But, um, but yeah, like that, so that for me, it's the Allen Houston, like, layup, you know, du- double doink off the rim. That drop as he's jumping and he does that little Kobe Bryant, you know-esque uh, fist. Yeah, that Alex is doing to me right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, what about you guys? Like, what, what brought you on to this miserable train that we can't seem to get off of? Real for me, uh Look, I was just it was just following my friends to join the next the next tape. But when the next tape era came around, I was sold. For me, I was sold as a fan. I I um gained that true identity with the Knicks. I think around when Melo was Melo Stat. Who else was on there? Jay Kidd, I think, who was on there at one point. Um, this is when Woodson was coaching. Well, did they win fifty six games that year? Fifty, yeah. That one year. Four games, yeah. So I was glued. I was locked in. Um, the Knicks tape, the whole Knicks tape coin slogan was was catchy. I felt like you partying in New York with that. And then it just faded away. It was just like, boom, and it faded away. But I still, and I'm staying loyal to the Knicks because, you know, it's it's an identity thing for me. And uh, I still have hope, as, as all Knicks fans always say traditionally. Next year, watch us. But uh, I think I was locked in with the Knicks tape era. Don't listen to those crazy people, Ricey. Take it from the Jets, Jets fan right now, living in the moment. Don't don't listen to those crazy people that like us telling us, yo, the Knicks are gonna be all right this year. That's gonna be us in December. Don't listen to us, all right? <laughs> okay, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stay stay true to the Knicks, man. <laughs> I'm staying true. <laughs> and I'm hurt. I'm a hurt man. John, uh, you clearly need a bottle of something to douse the sorrow. I don't know what it is. Maybe uh, some absinthe. I don't, I, you need something, bro. Like, that's it. All it takes is a tweet, a, t- a late night morning tweet about uh, a guy. His name rhymes with Batum Bass, right? Like, let me just wake up to a text about that. Everything will be fantastic, dude. All right, that's all I need in my life. I don't need a bottle. I don't need nothing. Just I need a coach. That's what I need. I need a coach. That's exactly what our team needs as a coach. Um, but to keep back on uh, the Knicks, I guess for me, uh, I remember being a kid and just watching the the LJ shot, the the big shot against the Miami Heat that did it. And that was really like, it, like just, I think, because 
it was him getting fouled in the process. He made a he made a three pointer to get the extra, and then made it a four point play. It was that was like the one that just like captivated me. It was like I was just remember sitting. I was like, it was such a close game. It was a tight game. This was it. This, this was the moment, and that moment came true. And that was like it was like so much uh, elation, just like from seeing. I don't know, something such a clutch performance and just being like, wow, New York, like we're great. We're doing this. And I was a kid, but it was like, it was like a happy moment. Um, just understanding, like just starting to understand what competition was and just what it meant to be like, you know, uh, just an athlete and like the the process that goes to it. Like my dad started me playing baseball early and started getting his sports early and basketball too, like I said. So yeah, it was around those same times with like the Yankees and like the Yankees were always winning, like in the nineties, which was like nice. So like you're you see those guys winning and then it's like, oh, Yankees are winning and now the Knicks are in it too. The Knicks are doing well. Like it's so easy to just get caught up when, you know, whether it's the city, the entire state behind it, just like everyone's like just on board. It's like we love it. This is our these are I got our guys. They represent us. They're they're tough. They're hard nosed. They play defense. They don't take nothing from nobody though they're going to show up on the court and they're going to beat you like they're going to like they'll physically like beat you down which was like it was an awesome time but with ricey too like i came back because like not necessarily the Knicks tape era but once we made the trade for mellow and it was like i think it was actually john again when i when i met john john's like bro we're gonna get mellow i was like what and i was like why is mel why is mellow want to come to the, like why are we going to trade for Mello? why is this dude want to come to the knicks like what like we're doing okay right now but why do why does he want to come to the knicks and, <laughs> and then that's why i was hooked once we got mellow and like i saw like we made the playoffs that year and i was like okay cool made the playoffs again the following year but then knicks that we can go and we can get into that right now the knicks tape team was solid that was a fun that was fun that was a lot of fun because he had mellow you had tyson chandler you had amari stoudemire we had a we had a stacked front court and then we had Jay kid. We got Felton back. We had Shump who was seemed like he was like taking the right steps, being like a good defensive player. You know, we had, uh, we had Rasheed Wallace ball. Don't lie. Say you buried the lead, bro. We had Sheed. 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 I forgot. He was on the team. No, this team was elite, bro. I'm sorry. She was on the team. Oh my God. That team was so much fun. Yo, oh my God. Uh, shout out to CP at uh, Knicks Fan TV. It was just, he just cut film on Twitter with uh, the Mike Woodson. I think it was like, I forget which game it was, but it was like Mike Woodson goes up to, to Sheed. He's like, Sheed, you want to play? You want to play? Let's go. And it's just like, yeah, Sheed's coming on the court. Yo, she, oh my God. That was. That gets me hyped. Just like seeing that video, that gets me hyped. But that team was a lot of fun, man. That team won like 52 to 54 games. It was like they were hard. They were they were just great competitors that year. Just like just, just watching watching Melo go at everybody. Scoring scoring champ, man. Averaging 27, like whatever points, like pretty much like 28 points a game. It was just unreal. Dude was playing out of his mind. And it helped when we had J.K. the tandem of J. Kidd and Raymond Felton playing off of one another. Like it was like having uh, a point guard and a half in a sense, or like two point guards, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I call it point guard and a half just because Jay kid is like truly the point guard. Raymond felt okay as a point guard. He's a good back. He's a better backup point guard, but between them working it, getting it to mellow. Oh my God. And then Chandler just playing defensive. He was playing out of his mind defensively out of his mind. Like I forget. I remember him. I having like 20 rebounds one game just because he kept going up and just tipping it back out 
to like who was ever beyond the arc. And it, that's, that team was a lot of fun to watch. I miss that team. That team will forever be part of like my Knicks fandom as like the best. I think for like our generation in general, like if you love the Knicks, I think that team, because Mello was for like when we lost out on LeBron, and let me know if you guys think the same way, but like when we lost out on like the, the you know, the decision, Mello was, he's up there with LeBron and Wade from like that draft class that you're like, whoa, like, we we got a dude now. We got a guy who wants to compete, and he chose us. It's like when you're that uh that ugly kid who gets chosen by that hot person. You're like, oh my, you want me? Oh my god, I can't believe this. You want to be with me? Oh man, <laughs> that's how. Awesome. From the the newly engaged a- Alex, who's probably <laughs> feeling like that when Dom was like, yes, and Alex was like, yo, let's go. <laughs> Yo, but seriously, that was a beautiful time. Um, I did feed into the hype a little bit about when Baran was supposed to go to New York, and then when that did, that fell through, um, when Mellow was, because uh, Braids Mellow, if you don't remember, Braids Mellow and Denver, that was a bucket. That was a bucket. So when I learned that, so when we all learned that he was coming to the Knicks, I was so hyped. And then I learned Stoudemire was there, and then Jay Kidd was supposed to come through. Like, I was thinking the pick and pop, pick and roll with Mello shooting lights out. I was like, this is it. We're going to do something. Um, that was such that was such a fun time. And Mello, he was a bucket in the garden. And then he was playing up to that hype in the garden. It's not easy to play there. So that was such a – it's just a fond memory, you know, of that time period for me. So. Yeah, definitely. Like, he he definitely lived up to the hype that season. It was – he was just iconic that year, man. He was, uh, you couldn't add, like we, we, I think we swept the heat that year or we went three, one, like we were, every time we faced them, it was, we were dominating like Melo LeBron going at it. Melo was still like getting his buckets. He was still doing whatever you couldn't stop our team. And that was the year I was like, if we get, if we get to the, if we get to the Eastern conference finals, we're going to the chip because we easily took like, it's not, Miami Heat that year were also like deadly to face, and we we kept up with them. It was I'd never been so like confident in a team where I'm like every single game that I turned on, I was like, oh, we're gonna win today, and it was fun to watch. Like you just know, like when they're gonna win, you're like, ah, they're gonna win today. It's not. Fun. And even when they lost, it was like, eh, we're the, we're gonna get the next game, and they get the next game, and it, it was. Melo lived up to that hype. He he came. He wore the heaviest jersey in the league, which is the Knicks jersey, playing in the Mecca, playing in the Garden, you know, where the tabloids are ready to attack you left and right. Um, I don't know, like, that's why, like, when everyone just, like, craps all over Melo, it's just not fair. Like, it real, like, we, like, how he came here, I think, is the biggest thing we could talk about because that trade is what really set that team back. And I think if we didn't give up Gallo, Mozgov, Felton, and, like, the draft picks at the time, the team would have been set up for him to really succeed for even more than that. The the three years that we went to the playoffs with him, I think we would have been set for to go even further. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Like, would you think, do you regret that trade? Are you still happy about the trade? What are you guys feelings on the trade? Preach man. That's that like, that's the, that's the biggest issue with the Knicks is that we trade for assets, especially that are going to come here. That's why ever since then we're so against trading for people that are going to come like we're just so sick of it as uh 
as fans who care about the cap, you know, and who care about our assets. Like, we're just so sick of uh, the moves for that superstar. And really, that's what, quote-unquote, blaming Dolan is all about. Blaming Dolan is all about giving up assets and trades because you have no idea about basketball and you just want Carmelo Anthony because he's going to sell you seats. Like, that is the complaint. You know what I mean? Um, And then background is the PR business. But just on that era, uh, what was so cool about the era is that it has its own name, right? So, like, the 94 Knicks is just, like, the 94 Knicks, right? And, the, you know, the 99 Knicks is just, like, the lockout Knicks who made the championship and Ewing was injured with the black jerseys. Like, they don't have a name, but this squad has, like, the Knicks tape. And we can't use that now and we can't use that before, but for some weird reason, I don't even know what it means, right? Nobody knows what it means. But just, like, Knicks tape is just Knicks tape. Like, it's just, like, anything good would happen, it's just Knicks tape. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we win a game, like, Knicks tape. It's just, like, that was just um, – that was, like, such a golden era. And I remember, um, uh, I think, like, this year, I think there was, like, a one good RJ game, like, really, really early. And when before, like, everything was about to get all out of whack for our season. And uh, – Someone messaged me like, oh, Knicks tape, question mark? And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, if we could ever go back to that era, that would be so good. I remember uh, specifically getting one of my cousins, Mikey, in a uh, Secret Santa. And he, he's, he, he's, uh, he, he, played, he likes basketball. Uh, but especially back then, he was, like, he was like a big point guard, like playing on the travel team and whatnot. But uh, Mikey's like Mikey's a white boy in my family. I like you know we're Egyptians, and so I wanted to get into Steve Novak T-shirt, <laughs> and I and like I like looked everywhere for the stupid Steve Novak shirt because like who's selling a Steve Novak jersey? You know what I mean? <laughs> and then like I found that, and like I was like so hyped to get to him, and like it, it was cool and funny. You know what I mean? Like Secret Santa joke and all that stuff. But I'm, like recently, I was like, yo, Mikey. You still have that uh, Steve Novak shirt? He's like, dude, you have to give me a Steve Novak shirt. Like, it was, like, relevant for, like, 18 minutes. <laughs> Novak was my dog. Novak, when he, got, he came off the bench, just giving the rack. I remember one game where he was going off. I was so hyped. <laughs> I think I've, I was at my friend's crib, and we were watching the game. I forgot what game it was, but he went off for, like, he had six threes, and I don't know how long. And I was, like, stood on the table. I was like, let's go, Steve. <laughs> My guy was a shooter. <laughs> he had his nights. He had his nights. That's I remember that. And the whole the whole Knicks tape, Knicks tape is so special because it, like, it crossed over to, like, the hip-hop music culture for a minute. I think that's how it actually became Knicks tape because it's a, it was a whole plan how the team was so good and it was, like, a highlight reel every game you saw. They're going to, you know, it's going to be a highlight reel. So they made it a Knicks tape, like a mixtape, you know? So I think you can't just bring that back. I think the only way you can bring that back is if we have a solid team that, you know, is on Sports Center every day and actually is winning, then you might be able to bring Knicks tape. But I've seen people trying to bring it back. I don't think we're there yet, but Knicks tape, it's, it's special. Like, it's real. <laughs> city so the thing with Nick's tape too is that actually i'm pretty sure it was before the season started amon shumpert rapper on the side he actually created uh a song mixtape he actually did create that and so 
because of that, it was like this whole like mantra. It's like, all right, we're these like, we're like these bad boy type of dudes who like, when we come on the court, you know, we're about to like, we're about to mean business. And it came from there for the most part, but also to like Rice's point, like there were, there was a lot of highlight reels. Like, look, Novak just going off like, and doing like the discount double check because, you know, he's a Packers fan from Wisconsin. Um, and then you also had, oh, Bob, my favorite guy on that team though was J.R. Smith. I love J.R. J.R. is my boy. That that's that's my guy. Like you can't I, the Henny God himself and Henny we trust. J.R. Smith. <laughs> you, you can talk about him. <laughs> Yo, I love man, that year, six man J.R. was like, oh my God, that was the dude. That was the guy. I there's something I don't know. I like I appreciate a guy who can come off the bench and just give you like instant buckets and just like is that type of guy. And JR that season was that type of guy. I remember the one thing I can't forget, the one play I can never forget was uh it was when Pablo Prigioni gave him the low lob and he caught it like from like his knees and then quickly got that dunk for the slam. I remember that dunk. I couldn't believe he pulled that off. I could not believe because he had no business getting it from his shoes and winded it back. I could not believe that. Yeah. I hear you. When he cocked that, that that was just like I was like, what? But the other play was the the clutch shot against the Hornets to win. That was the other one. That was the other one that I, like Jr. That year was clutch, man. He was clutch. Was, and out was of- that the game? Was, mm-hmm. was that was that the game when he did the whole pose when he's staring at? Staring at the sky. Was that what that was with the Knicks, right? He was going like this, right? <laughs> ring them bells, man. He gave the three, just like ring them bells. I was oh my god, I love that. I love I miss that JR. I miss JR so much. Yeah, we had we had we had the we had like the gang member hall of fame on the Knicks, right? Like we had like uh, we had like Randolph, uh, we have JR, like we we have all those like, yeah, 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 we're good. Like just a three symbol, don't worry about it, we're good. Like, all that subtle stuff. Like, I won't be surprised if John Wall finds his way to the Knicks one day. Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't you don't, – don't put that evil on us. Don't you dare put <laughs> – that contract – oh, my God. That contract is absurd. That man's getting paid 40 some million for the next three years. I do not want that evil. You can keep that far, far, far away. But, no, that team – think about it. We had him – we had JR ringing the bells. We had three to the dome. Three to the dome was like, oh, my. God, that- we were all we were all doing that. Yeah, we were all doing that uh, three to the dome. Even if we we're broke, <laughs> if you're broke, if you make one, you doing the three to the dome. Melo had people, contrary to belief, they think it's LeBron, but Melo had people wearing the headbands doing the three to the dome. Don't don't sleep on that. Yeah, Melo Melo is a vibe. Like Melo is is like his own is a culture. I feel like in himself. Um, and he he was the Knicks for a while, dude. Even and I think that like once he left the Knicks, he actually became like some sort of martyr. Because like we like the league realized like wow, that, like you know that guy had to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like he really wasn't that bad. It was the team, and he was like kind of like martyred right as soon as he left the Knicks. So he kind of needed to leave the Knicks because now as soon as, as soon as he comes back, which I know Alex. Doesn't really want him back, Ricey, and I guess I, I guess I have to tell you that right on the pod. And how do you comment on it? Because Alex's like, oh, I don't know, he's old, I'm not sure, the young guys. But Melo's gonna come back to the Knicks, 
and it's going to be it, – it, the garden's going to be wild, um, and he's going to have, like, a big homecoming. And I think he – I think it's um, needed for him, and I think this little break for him was needed. I think uh... – if Melo did come back, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad at it, but I'm not really pressed for him to come back either. I think I think he's doing great in Portland. Um, I'm just glad to see him back in the league because people doubted him for real, and uh, he still had it when he came back and he slimmed down. I was like, oh, he's he's ready, he's ready to ball. So I'm glad that he he's even back in the league in the first place. I'm not pressed for him to come to the Knicks, but if he does come back, hey, I'm not. As long as you don't sacrifice like 50 picks for him, I'm good with that. And I think I think specifically when when he left, it got sour around the insanity. I think because he was injured, right? Yeah. So it was injured at that time, and Lynn was going off, and then yeah, the insanity, <laughs> right? Quote unquote injured. Injured. He was like, yeah, injured. Trying to play with this guy who was trying to hold the ball for thirty six minutes a game. Right. So I think it, it got sour there, and you know, we all had a fun. Uh, feeling of uh, for, for Jeremy Lin during that time. So I think people started feeling sour about Melo at that point. Um, but, you know, Melo's always going to be special in New York. I don't, I don't care what people say. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that 2011-12 season with Lin Sanity, you know, well, he Lin was playing well without Melo for that time. And then when he came back, you know, there was that question of, like, could they fit together before the whole Nick Sape era the following season? But... Look, D'Antoni left. Lynn, I think, also had his own feelings, too, on, like, what he wanted to do. And he wanted to get paid and be a focal point of the offense. Because D'Antoni, like, when you play with D'Antoni, like, the point guard is the main engine. Like, he's getting everyone going, dropping dimes. He's got to shoot. You know, that's what Steve Nash was doing in Phoenix when uh, MDA was down in Phoenix with him. So, that's what Lynn, I guess, Lynn wanted to be featured in that aspect. Nice. Nice, Malik is showing us uh, the the Jeremy Lin jersey. I actually have a Jeremy Lin t shirt because I was not bold enough to buy it. I see the vision. I see the vision, John. I didn't buy it. It was that was a, a like a little gag gift from my cousins for my birthday that year. And my birthday's in March, and they all chipped together. We went to we had the Benihanas in a classic for a classic family birthday dinner, and uh, they dropped off the Lin Sanity Stitch jersey. I have no idea what to do with this thing. But it does it does have the black sides, which is almost like the ninety-nine champion jersey. So that that is why I like it. Like if it was like shout out Jeremy Lynn, I know you're trying to get back in the league and yeah, you had some cool shots. Like that Raptor shot was sick, the Lakers game, whatever, cool. Thanks for the W's, I guess. But the color of this Knicks jersey is like one of my favorites. Like what what are your what are your favorite Knicks jerseys. I think my 99, 2000s is my number one, of course. But I think this era, like, they kind of, they were kind of the closest, like, modern era, nice type Knicks jerseys. My favorite jerseys would probably be back in the 80s. The old Bernard King jerseys when they had the name in the bottom. I love the New York uh, warm-ups with the Yankee logo. That's that's special to me. Um, they brought back the old design not long ago. And I actually like the statement jerseys where they had recently with the fire, with the fire emblem. I really like those as well. I thought those were pretty fly. So, yeah. Yeah, the FDNY ones are sick. What about you, Alex? Yeah, the FDNY ones are sick. I think uh, I, 
I, so I like I, I picked one up. The, the FDNY logo on that thing makes it super heavy though, because it's super detailed. But I do like the City Edition jer- jerseys with the side, like the old school with the stripes on the side, but it's the City skyline going down up the jersey. I do like that one. Those are my those are my favorite current jerseys. The new Nick jerseys, I mean, they're like very simple. It's just blue and orange. Like what happened when uh, with Mellow? The ones I can tell you, I hate the most are the orange jerseys because we never won a game with those. And unfortunately, for my birthday. Thank, shout out to my boy Vincent DeVita, who gave me for my birthday an Amon Shumpert jersey, the orange one. And I was like, I showed up to a Knicks, I showed up to a Knicks Celtics game out here in uh, in Boston wearing that jersey. People were like, oh, a, a Shumpert jersey, that, that's off brand. <laughs> I was like, nah, man, Knicks tape. <laughs> that's why he's been, he's, been, he's, been, he's been waiting to tell people about this Knicks tape thing for, for <laughs> since that game with the Celtics, like coming screaming at the fans in the garden. No, no, no. no. He's the guy that did the mixtape. Check out his check out his mixtape. He's the man. Meanwhile, he's on the <laughs> He's the guy. He's responsible. <laughs> the Alex thing, bro, because he like Alex loves like the Westchester Knicks and stuff. So he's like he's like all over these guys. Like he's all over like Lamar Peters and stuff. And you'll be walking into those games like, yeah, Lamar Peters. Like, yo, he, if he's lucky, you'll get like four minutes in this game, man. Just chill out. I can see him like rocking the jersey for him. <laughs> It's kind of on brand, you know. When uh, we had Ron Baker, I got to see Ron Baker play like in uh, in Westchester. Oh my god! Don't, first of all, I was like, all right. So if, like in my mind, this is how bad it was, and I've gotten smarter since then. I was like, all right, like because I love the Wichita State team. Like I love those teams. Great. I saw him play. Like he was like a good shooter for them. I was like, all right, we got. Uh, Claire Anthony early we're gonna bring on Ron Baker that's two solid dudes from like the Wichita State team I was like if we just give this guy a shot if we shout just- out Cornette yeah, oh and Cornette yeah 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 for sure I was just like in my head I was like if we just give Ron Baker like the education the shot he can do it and like during that Westchester Julie game this dude put up close to a triple double I was like holy cow this man's got 15 points He's got 12 assists. He's got like nine rebounds. This guy's pushing pace. He's doing everything. Like, wow. Like this guy could be it if like he comes up. Nope. Far from the truth. So John, you were correct. I, that is on brand for me that I probably would be. That's, but like, I would say this, Lamar Peters is like a different beast. I'm not saying he's going to be like a starting caliber, like point guard, but. I triggered you. <laughs> give this man a shot on a roster all right please this is like someone all right like everyone's talking over about like kenny wooten and like shout out to kenny wooten thank you for accepting my friend request on uh playstation i really appreciate it hopefully we get to play warzone one day um, that's a real one for sure that's a real one and um but everyone's talking about kenny wooten but it's like dude we got a point guard that's like low-key like shooting lights out like it's you know, look, and we like Iggy Bredzegas too, all right? Like, that's another dude, like, we took with the second round, so come on. Like, Shout out Iggy, baby. Shout out Iggy. Iggy's going to have a real place on this team this year. I really feel that. I, I agree with that, too. And I don't – I'm not saying, like, he's going to be, like, some crazy stuff, but he'll – I think I could see him being a decent role player, especially with the coaching staff that we have now. Um, but to get to – I want to first touch on this topic that John's trying to say that I don't want Melo back in the garden. I'd be happy to have Melo back in the garden. One, I agree with Ricey. Let's not give up assets, but we wouldn't have to because he'd be a free agent. Two, like, let's be real. He played really well at Portland, and I just need to see the construction of this team. If you're telling me we're about to roll out some, like, if we're rolling out everyone from, like, that 2003 draft, like, all right, we got CP3, we got Mello, we brought J.R. Smith back. I'm like, what are we doing here? Can, 
can we please develop a team? That's where I'm going to be like drawing the line. <laughs> oh my goodness. So J.R. Smith, that's the line. Obviously we're not getting J.R. Smith, but if we're going to get CP3 as a point guard, we did pretty well in the playoffs. You don't want Melo. And you're on the record. Like, you already walked him back just now. You don't want Melo, man. You don't want Melo, Alex. And when he walks in here and he goes three for 45, you're going to be right. But you can't, but you can't take the credit for the, for the first game or like those like five, six games in between when he catches those threes. All right? All right. Uh, uh, I guess I'll accept this. I'll sec- accept this fate that you're giving me. You're going to be right, man. You're going to be right when, he, when he's a liability on defense and we have no idea what to do and he's just chucking up shots on the offense. You're going to be right. Like, yeah, this is why we don't want Melo. But <laughs> then you can't be excited when we sign him and we have our, our, our Knicks party and throw the confetti when we win, like, two out of three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What is going on right now on this pod? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw confetti when we win, like, whatever X amount of games with Melo. Be like, raise the banner. We did it. Raise the banner, <laughs> yeah, man. That's what we did after we were. I think we're down three, uh, three zero in the series. We won one game versus the Heat, and the Knicks threw confetti in the garden, man. We're all about that. We just, we just, we're just all about the W's. We don't care what the context is. We won the game, confetti. Let's just, <laughs> it's the next. It's just the next way. That's just the way it is. We throw the confetti. Game one. It's just the way it's supposed to be. We'll be dropping confetti after the first win of a regular season game, guys. We just beat the worst team in the league. Uh, I don't know, the Charlotte Hornets. And we'll be like, drop the confetti. We won. We won. It didn't take us until 18 games. Speaking of, when do you think, Ricey, do you think we're going to have a, a decent year with this new coaching staff and this new front office? Like, do you think we're going to get our first game, you know, within 18 games? Or do you think we're going to be all I think we, coming I in? I think we will. I think we'll get it within seven. I think we'll get, I'll, I'll say within seven, we'll get our first up. Um, I'm actually really excited that Tibbs is uh, the coach here and Woody's back. Um, I was looking for looking into you know the coaching staff and they had the whole Kentucky connection going on. So I'm looking forward to it. I just want to see um, that the culture is like the hard work ethic and the culture being still because I know Tibbs he brings the most out of these players. Um, he's got that reputation that he runs plays to the ground, but I think he's more of a old school coach that you know instills that putting that hard work and and discipline in the game um so i'm looking forward to it and we don't have like divas i don't that i know of that divas on the team so this might actually sort of work um it'll gonna take some time i don't think we're gonna have an immediate um you know like we're gonna be crazy good like off the rip but um i think we're gonna be pretty solid yeah i think we might get a sense we might not make the playoffs but i think we get like the 10 spot uh, like how do you th- how do you see the off season playing out? Uh, do you see how do you see it playing out? First of all, like what do you think the Knicks are actually going to do? I know you're already worried that we might be the first team ever to like give up draft picks and a free agent signing I, I, for Melo. I already I already know that you're worried about our front office. I'm just worried. I I'm just worried about the picks. So who, who, <laughs> I'm just hoping we don't give up like two or three first or second round picks for anything that's going to pan out that's not going to pan out like that's just what's worrisome for me because we've seen this story before and i don't want to be set back three four years again i think we have something really going over here so we got to be disciplined and just see it through i think cool who do do you got in your sights anybody Uh, 
trades, any free agents, anything like that that you have uh, just like thinking about any guys? Besides Melo, of course. Point guard. We need a point guard. I'm interested about the CP3 talk. Um, we just we need a point guard. Like it's been way overdue. Stephon Marbury is the last point guard really that has been like a solid, solid point guard that we we've had. Um, I'm interested with the CP3 trade. I know he's 35 years old, so it's it's iffy. But he was playing. He was a dog this year in OKC. So I think as long as we don't give up a bajillion picks that's what i'm thinking um i think we might have to set our sights to it i heard rumors about devin book you know that i don't know about all that but i think with cp3 i have my eyes on him see see what that might work out and i think he you know with tibbs i think that might be interesting definitely i mean tibbs and cp3 that's uh, honestly you're talking about a guy tibbs is a true x's and o's coach just hard nose looking at film head in the books, just trying to learn and get his team overly prepared for every situation, which is what you want to hear from a coach, finally. Um, not talking about any other previous coaches, but just saying, like, that that's just, like, kind of, like, the mindset you want from, like, a head coach or someone who wants to overprepare the team. And then with CP3, we saw what he did with OKC and Billy Donovan. You know, that team was expected to be not even in the playoffs. That thing was – that team was supposed to be, like, tanking, essentially, and just – be in the lottery contention. Then next thing you know, CP3 gets him as like the fifth or sixth seed. I forget which one exactly. And then has them like taking Houston to seven games, which I was really hoping that they won. But you see the difference that CP3 makes. He is the ext- the point guard is the extension of the head coach. You know, he's the four general, getting guys in position as as right. Exactly. We, we haven't had that since like Stefan Marbury. I'm not saying Stefan Marbury was necessarily that dude who's like organizing the offense in that way because Stefan Marbury was more of a score first guard. But CP3 can get everyone organized. And that's something we need for like at least development for for one to two years. And, you know, once again, in the same boat as Ricey, like I don't necessarily need to, we don't have to, like there's a limit to how what, what it should take to get CP3. Like if we're seeing what, uh, you know, the, the rumors out there where it's supposed to be like Bobby Portis, Alfred Payton, Frank Nelkina, Kevin Knox, 2022 second round pick to 2020 Hornets and the 2021 Pistons. Yeah, I'm off the table with that. You you can cat, you can say like hard pass. We don't need to give up. And I'm not even like worried about Bobby Portis, Alfred Payton and giving up one second round pick. But it's like and like maybe Kevin Knox or Frank, but you can't get two young guys and two picks. That's where we start going wrong all over again because you're getting they're not necessarily like including that foundation as they keep saying like which is Mitchell Robinson and RJ Barrett but you can't just give up other guys who are young who are part of this core and continue continuity like they're the same age they're around the same age group they just know each other they're with each other they're working out together there's no reason to to move them or all of them I should say you can move some but you can't move all and especially when it comes to the 2021 draft pick like next year is supposed to be stacked like I want to see what we can do with all that, especially with the with Walt Perrin, uh, Zanin, uh, all these guys in the in the building. Like that would be really, really nice. So I'm also hesitant to trade assets because we need these assets to to do something. And thankfully, reports are saying that Knicks are not looking to move so many many assets. If we're talking about, but if we're going to talk about CP3 and we're talking about trades that like are in the realm of possibility, like what Begley reported back in like February or March. I think it was uh, Reggie Bullock was the main part. And then you also had either Kevin Knox, Frank Nilakina, and maybe uh, a second round pick. Like, if you want to talk about that, sure. And you know what? If you want to, like, not even have Bullock and throw in, like, 
over Peyton or Bobby Portis and swap them out, sure. But we don't need to give up assets for these guys. I wonder, with specifically Clevin Knox, I'm wondering, do you guys are you guys like checked out with him? Because I know his defense is atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious. But I think he's still he's young. I still he I think he still has some upside. So I mean, with the, regarding the hypothetical trade that they're putting out there, that's just way too many pieces. I'm like four players and two picks. That's nuts for for CP3. I don't care. But um, I think uh, as you said, I I just don't think we should sacrifice those picks. And 2021 draft is looking crazy from what I've I've read. So um, we need to preserve that and just see. I just as I said, see through. Let's. It's gonna be a long term thing, but you know we're here. I think you just got to see it through and make the right decision and don't waste everybody to get somebody who's going to be beneficial for maybe one or two years. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the What's interesting about Kevin Knox is I think he had the worst shooting percentage in the NBA. So there's literally like you ha- he has to go up from here. And I know that like that sounds like a, like a diss and a knock, but it's more of a diss on the organization. You know what I mean? Like he, he's a, such an asset that people want him in a trade, even though he was the worst shooter. You know what I mean? It's because there is potential in him and people could see that regardless of how terrible his situation was and what he produced from it. What I uh, brought up, you know, in previous uh, conversations with Alex, the, the most important part of the Kentucky CAA Knicks is that, we have, we basically have, like, if everybody, if Kenny Payne is, if Kenny Payne is who they, who he, who they said he is, you know what I mean? And, like, he understands these guys and he's the person that walked in the living room of Kevin Knox, you know what I mean, and told him to join the team and was there for all the practices, he's going to know, okay? So he's going to know uh, how, what, how to get the best out of Kevin Knox if maybe maybe Kevin Knox has regressed from, you know, when he saw him going into college and where, you know, where that can go and then jump from the college to NBA, maybe he can't do it. You know what I mean? Maybe he can't make that jump and Kenny Payne will alert, you know, the front office and we'll get rid of him on uh, probably like, we'll probably get more money on the buck just because we know a lot about him. I know that sounds weird and maybe like that sounds kind of conspiracy theory ish, but I don't really think that's conspiracy theory-ish. I think that we're going to try to play with him. But I just think that for the first time in my life, I trust the – for Kevin Knox specifically, I trust the people we have in the front office and the coaching staff with him because we have the guys that elevated him to Division One basketball and elevated him to NBA, into NBA basketball. I mean, what else could you possibly want? So it's interesting they brought up Kevin Knox because in that trade, I'm, with, I'm totally with Alex. You want all those guys. You want, you want to pay Bobby Portis 18 mil. You want Alfred Payton, you want Alfred Payton be my guest. You want a couple second-round picks. Like, just take them. I know, you know, two is a lot. But we have, like, three picks this year. We had a bunch of first-rounders. You want two second-rounders, take them. But you're not taking Frank and Knox. You know what I mean? Like, take one or the other. And – as I said before, whatever decision we end up making on Knox, it's going to be the right one. Like, I'm going to be 100% on board regardless of what it is because I'm just going to trust that it's the correct decision. I agree 100% with that. Like, we got Kenny Payne, top assistant coach from Kentucky. Dude was paid uh, 900 k to do his job at Kentucky, and now we're paying him 
I think it was like around 1.2 to 1.5 for him to be an assistant coach with the Knicks for development. He's a big man whisperer. Kevin Knox is a forward. You know, he he definitely had like he definitely could get to Knox. And Knox was happy with to see that he got hired, you know. But I think when it comes to Kevin Knox and we saw that he regresses here, there's a lot of factors. And I wrote about this for Hoops Habit a while back. Um, for Knox, year one, he got played like close. He got played 30 minutes a game, close to 30 minutes a game. And kid was rookie of the month in December. You know, Fizdale was just running him out. He was featured because for, you know, Frank was not necessarily the pick that everyone was like, Nah, like so hyped about like we saw him like okay year one year two injury with the groin and everything so we had a run with Knox um he made some clutch shots he had some big games this season his minutes got cut in half Fizdale was playing him out of position at some points you know he's a three and a four can't play him at the two he just he's not agile to play with shooting guards top of that like they wanted to be just catch and shoot and he's a good he's a good rim runner and he's a good, like, baseline, like, he's a good slasher. And they're not using him in motion. Like, he's got the length to do so. So they weren't really utilizing him properly. And I would have faith with the new coaching staff and Thibodeau, who's going to look to see what to get, how to get him going. You got Payne. You got Woodson. Woodson was known for, like, keeping teams, like, for, like, so many years, like, after the Hawks, like, in the top 10 of, like, even or even with, like, the latter half of, like, the Hawks in the top 10 offensive net offensive net rating. Um and like we got Johnny Bryant, but Johnny Bryant's more with the guards. But regardless, like we got we got a coaching staff that I can actually trust to develop Knox. And I agree with John that if they decide to move on from Knox, I'm very confident that they have a good reason to move on from Knox because we have the guys who can evaluate, understand the talent. You know, even like Walt Perrin, who's like who's a top scout who we got from Utah, who's was able to draft six all stars. Right? I would I I would trust his eye. Like yeah, he he saying he's either got it or he doesn't. So whatever decision they want to make with Knox is fine with me. I just think he needs a little bit more time. Calipari said it. He needs three years in the league. This is year three. I would give him like a little bit of benefit of that because year two didn't necessarily go the way he wanted because of like coaching mishaps. We signed a lot of veterans that took over his time, but that, you know, that's, we'll see what happens. Uh, Knox is like, I like Knox. I want him to do well, but he can't play like deer in the headlights and get so like, you know, he, he has to be focused. That's the big thing. It's just being focused. So uh, that's, that's how I feel about the team. But, you know, I think that's, I think that's good for the Knicks portion of this podcast. So let's go on to some more fun stuff with uh, the et cetera. So John. Let's just stay on topic for a sec. Let's just stay on topic for a sec. What do you guys think of that Celtics heat? Because I really don't want to talk about the damn Jets, man. Oh, no, no, we're going to go to Bubble. We don't have to go to... Oh, thank God. Yeah, no. I was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> not yet. I need time, dude. I need, to, I need to sleep on it. I need to wake up. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for that, that early morning text about Gates getting fired. Like, I just, I can't do it. Yeah, uh, you and me both, brother. I'm, like, waiting for the text to say Gates is fired. So let's not go into the Jets. We're going to do you a favor. We're going to talk about the NBA Bubble. Um Got to close them right now with the Lakers and uh, Nuggets, but not close anymore, my friend. Heard AD just hit a game winner. We just hit the game winner. Oh, AD just hit a game winner. Oh man. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, we're we're recording this uh, pod Sunday night, and at this exact moment, Stephen Gil Stephon Gilmore has gotten into a fight, and AD hit a buzzer beater. So things are happening. 
um, while we're talking Knicks. But I guess my main question is, I know that we've been going back and forth in the group chat between the Celtics and the Heat series, which is a wild one. Huh? Ups and downs, Gordon Hayward hurt, Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown fights. Nobody's talking about how the Heat are killing, except everyone wants to talk about Jimmy Butler's coffee, right? <laughs> Dragic, if I hear anything else about the stupid coffee, um, Dragic and Duncan just, you know, hitting threes. Like, um, the band block that was a top three block because we don't talk about the Elijah on, on, on Starks 94 block that doesn't exist in our world. So there's only three blocks. Or the Hibbert, that didn't happen because we hate the Pacers. No idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so what do you guys – yes, of course. So what do you guys think about the that series? I like the, the Heat and Celtics series. That game – I think that's going seven. Celtics played well. They had a – they had to come back and do something. Otherwise, you can't go down 3-0 and expect to have a seven-game series. But I expect them to take game two as well. Um, I mean, game four, what I'm talking about. I'm, taking back, I'm, I'm expecting to go to tie this up 2-2. Um, but, man, Jimmy Butler, that's the guy I'm, like, worried about. That man's a killer. That guy is, like, uh, a demon on the court. He – that is what you want out of your top guy. And, like, LeBron's doing it for the Lakers, too. Yeah, yeah, we, we talk about LeBron enough. No, okay, okay. But – uh, Jimmy Butler, like hustling, making clutch shots. That's what you want your top dog doing. And that's what I love, like watching about the heat. And like, they just play with the grit and they're playing at such a high intensity, you know, everyone's moving at fast pace. Everyone's working off screens. Everyone's setting screens for one another. No, there's no stagnant offense like the Houston Rockets, which I freaking hate, but the heat have been fun to watch. Right. So what do you think about them? I mean, for me, I think I'm really intrigued with this Miami Heat Celtics uh, series. Jimmy's playing like a dog, and I feel like he's playing like he wants to be vindicated. Um, I know given his tenure in Minnesota and in Philly, um, he started to get a pretty bad reputation of being hard to play with with a, as a teammate. Um, I think he's he has immense talent, and seeing him actually apply, you know, apply the effort, he really wants to win. Like, he's – that's the type of basketball I like to see, like folks that really take it personal. They want to win. It's not, it's more than just a check. Um, Duncan Robinson, Draja, they're shooting, they, they're just shooters. They, <laughs> Duncan Robinson, he's, <laughs> he's a bucket. Even Tyler Harrow is a bucket too. And I think it's really attributed to him being in Miami. Um, but Cardiac Kemba, don't, there's always Cardiac Kemba and they, they can always come at any, any given, any game. So, I think it's going to go – I don't think it's going to be Heat in six, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven, to be honest. I would like it to go seven, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I think it's going to go seven. But, yeah, I agree. Cardiac Kemba. Whew. Kemba Kemba makes some sly moves, man, especially late in games. I think it was against – yeah, it was against the Raptors. I just remember when he went in, dumped that uh, – he had a dump pass, just like goes up, just bounce, dump pass, like – by the bucket for Daniel Tice just to get the easy lay in or slam. I forget what he did. I was just like that. That was just, that was so impressive. But then OG Ananobi just hits the game winning three, which was just freaking wild. But I like that series, John, what about you? What are you feeling? What do you feel about the heat Celtics? Yeah. Well, I mean, a series. we were all so intrigued by the LA, LA Western conference, uh, that we all pinned up to be our championship already before it even showed up. And I'm super intrigued by the fact that we have Celtics heat. And I think that's going to go seven. 
And the other one, even if if the if the Le, if LeBron gets the LeBron gentleman sweep, I'll be even surprised because right now it's two zero, and usually that comes within the first two games, uh, that first L for him, and then he, they take care of business. So honestly, they might just take care of business right away, like four games. Maybe Denver steals one or two, but it's looking like LeBron's going to get some rest and be waiting for whoever lips out of the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think that LeBron's going to be ready to take them down. I don't think that any single person on the Eastern Conference teams could guard AD. I don't really think they can guard LeBron if LeBron doesn't want them to. Um, and I think that he'll, he'll, he will quarterback that like quarterback tear up that whatever defense either of those teams try to maneuver on him, uh, whether it's Bolstra try to do magic, which LeBron's going to laugh at him, or Brad Smith trying to conjure up whatever Brad Smith trying to conjure up. So this is LeBron's finals. It's been written. You know, we got the we got the the Kobe year. We got you know he's, he wears the Mamba jerseys anytime they're in a rut, and then they win by forty five. Okay, like they he's got the MVP chip on his shoulder he's got the last dance documentary coming in like it, it's literally all like you know the the clippers choke like it's it's written it is written for lebron and then it's perfect for like the lebron versus jordan hate where it's like oh it doesn't count it's a bubble blah blah blah, blah, blah. so like it's all like written perfectly for a lebron chip in my eyes the stars just seem the stars just seem aligned i i agree with you john the stars just seem aligned for this you got the last dance you got Rest in peace, Kobe. You have uh, um, he getting snubbed. Then just make it poetic enough. If Miami does win the series, he's going to be playing Miami. Pat Pat Riley is going to be up in there. Uh, it's it's just a lot, you know. It's a lot. I think I think uh, I hope it's the Lakers Miami. Um, I I think it's going to be because of AD and maybe one other X factor, and not necessarily LeBron, even though he traditionally does go off in the finals. But I think AD is going to be the, the deciding factor here, not only in this conference final, but, you know, NBA finals if they make it. For sure. I agree with both of you. Uh, it's just it's just written for the Lakers. It's written for a Lakers-Miami Heat, just like matchup. You guys already said enough about it. I don't need to add any more, except Ricey, the X factor is the team accountant for the Lakers. And I don't mean the actual accountant. I mean Alex Caruso, baby. <laughs> The accountant for the team slash the personal trainer. That man. <laughs> Anyone see that meme of him like wearing like the warm the eagle, the bald eagle? Don't sleep on Caruso. That man be flying. That man's got hops. I'm tell. I'm. I'm just thinking. What other white boy in the court has that much hops like Alex Caruso? I'm just. I just want to know because I really try to dig in the archives and see. Jason Williams. He's. He's the dice. He's white chocolate, but he was the passing. Caruso's flying up. He got the bungees. <laughs> Yo, he's got the bunnies, man. I've never – like, this dude comes out of nowhere. And he makes, like, these impressive plays. Uh, I think the best thing I heard was when the Lakers took out the Rockets. SB Nation Rockets uh, podcast. These guys were just like, how do you let Alex Caruso score 16 points? 16 points! And it's just like, my God. You guys are that upset about Alex Caruso? I mean, it's it's actually not shocking. Like, he's like the perfect random guy to give you like 16 points and just be an X factor. Like, 
oh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's Alex Caruso. But then it co- Alex Caruso does Alex Caruso things, which is kind of like, wait, how do you do that? Like, and you're prepared for it. And what's equally more in- interesting is with Caruso, the, all the highlights of Caruso and LeBron, and like every highlight you see LeBron doing something crazy, and Caruso's right there throwing the lob. He's right there giving the between the legs pass. He's just on the floor. He's in the right spots. And he and the dunks, when they come in, you don't see them coming in. He just drives and yams it in. Like, he has no business doing that. I'm just waiting for him to do the Basley commercial, though. I mean, you guys all understand. He's he got to get the Basley sponsorship at this point. He's The bald eagle needs to get the Basley sponsorship. I'm just waiting on it. I'm waiting on it. He's got to join the. He's got to join the club, man. It's it's a it's a it's a hard line to cross. But once you cross it, man, it's it's liberating, right? Uh, shout out. Either to, in or out. I hear you. Back in the day, man. I mean, uh, we met Ricey and how like you know this pod came together as you as our producers. We were uh, classmates at Albany Law. We also used to play ball, um, which is. Uh, fun fact now the COVID uh, classroom I don't know if you saw some pictures but they're not doing some uh, they converted the gym into a classroom so I don't think the gym is a classroom yeah so they they, like spread it out Um, oh my god (laughs) but yeah like during those days I was I was part of the Alex Caruso club too wearing hats all the time you know what I mean fighting the good fight and then and then you gotta you gotta just cross that line one day and it's super liberating, dude. Caruso, come come join, man. It's it's good on this side. And the bald eagle. That's that's my guy, Caruso. And today, like recently, there's like that that uh that filter going around, right? I've been seeing pictures of random people that are bald. It's a new wave, Caruso. Get on board, man. You can't be you can't be walking around with that chip and that new ring and, and the and the I don't know, obviously there's gonna be no parade, but who knows with LA and their lack of caring about COVID and stuff. But you can't be walking around there with that half haircut, man. Just join us. Maybe they're gonna cut his hair once uh, they get the chip, and you know, they, you know, they have the champagne trophy. I know they have to do social distancing, but I think someone's gonna have the Clippers ready and be like, "Hey, it's time, man. You've, a, you've you've made it. You've made it to this point." That's their playoff beard. <laughs> exactly. That'd be wild. I think for like. But Caruso doesn't really have like a full fledged beard. I think he needs like a beard to like really pull that off because it's like it's kind of going like the reverse, right? It's like you have to have like a solid beard, like like yourself, John. Like you got to have like the true Fizdale look going on to like really rock it, you know. So uh, I think Caruso then looks like a thumb. So like it's kind of hard. <laughs> no shade. <laughs> That's so real. <laughs> it does look like one, <laughs> the flying thumb. <laughs> Just some wild, random Caruso shaming uh, on a day, on a, on a pretty chill day uh, on the pod. We hope you guys uh, like really enjoyed our casual Knicks talk, um, meet Ricey. Uh, but I'm, before we close off, uh, just because Ricey is an expert um, musician, as Alex had to read the paragraph off in the beginning, uh, you know, with Ricey's credentials and um, his credits. But just really quick, I knew, I, I, uh, I personally have this question, and I know it's, like, pretty popular uh, with Kanye West. I, um, and you being an attorney, people might be interested um, in some copyright and some trademark, some IP questions. Yeah. But um, Kanye West just posted a bunch of contracts for his 
records and something about Jay-Z and something about owning music that he makes. So why don't you just uh, give us like a quick recap of what's really going on there. What's a master record um, and like what's going on with him and Jay-Z and just, you know, educate us a little bit. Sure. So I could do a quick spiel here. Um, So every musician, whether signed or independent, when they put something out, according to copyright law, that's intellectual property. So anything you publish is automatically copywritten. Now with music, you have two different types of licenses. One is the masters, which is the sound um, composition, which basically means the lyrics, the instrumentation, the arrangement of a record. Then you have the sound recording, basically the physical recording itself. You have two rights to that. Um, Every artist wants to have rights to those, um, rights to both of those licenses, which is considered the masters. So what Guy is pretty much alluding to a bit in a crazy fashion is that um, um, all these artists should be fighting for their masters. They should be independent. If they are signed, try to fight for your masters and be smart when you enter these contracts. He's saying there should be reform regarding, um, you know, um, regarding the, um, he said there should be reform regarding the contracts themselves, because a lot of them are really hard to, to read. Um, and so, but Kanye's doing it in such a crazy way, but, and he even showed his own contracts, which are really convoluted and involves a ton of money. Yeah, what's so, like what, what, why, why is he posting his random contracts? It can't just be for us to like read and know about them. Nah. So I think I think it's some other stuff that he hasn't really disclosed, which he's not absolutely happy about. I think he's on a quest to get his his own masters back, and it's really hard because the Universal Music Group is just not trying to give that. It's so much money off of his albums that they're making off publishing, which publishing allows you to make money and royalties off of using someone's music, for instance, for commercials or for music, for movies or for other media. And Kanye West has made so many iconic songs and hits and albums. They're making money off of that. And Universal is making tons of money on that music. And he wants that back for himself. He wants that for his family. So, but Universal's saying, hell no, we're not going to just give that back. You don't have to pay an arm and a leg for that. So he's having his diva moment, but it's actually for the good. Um, spreading awareness for all these independent artists and artists alike to really fight for their worth and tell these labels, hey, look, we don't have to make this stuff. Even though we're in contracts, we can all just go up and leave. And he wants to bring the power to the people, power to the the artist. It's going to be a tough fight, but I see where he's trying to go with it. But, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't get it. Wait, uh, how does he not have the masters, though, to records that he makes? Yeah, so because he signed and engaged in contracts with, these labels and within the confines of the contract, it's they own certain rights to publishing or certain rights to whatever, you know, certain aspects and universal has acquired those rights through the contracts. He's signed with them. Like for instance, like with the whole Jay-Z Kanye thing. um, So what supposedly is out there is that Jay-Z and Kanye, they're both together. Jay-Z had Rockefeller records back in the early 2000s. Kanye was signed to Rockefeller Records. That's where he made college dropout, late registration. Um, I think uh, graduation even is on there. I got to verify. Good Kanye. Yeah, like, old. yeah, the old Kanye, right. So the old Kanye um, was on Rockefeller. So 
at that point in time, Jay-Z owned Rockefeller, but he didn't have his masters with Rockefeller. I think for some reason he had his masters with Def Jam. So Def Jam had his rights to his recordings and he wanted those back. So what happened was that Jay-Z um, ended up using Kanye's, old Kanye's discography with Rockefeller, selling it to Def Jam as collateral in, way, in a way to acquire his own rights for Jay-Z to acquire his own masters um, and his own publishing. And so that's, and it's, as you can see in business, that's a snake move, but the industry is pretty snaky like that. So people have qualms about it. I think even Kanye himself reached out and said, I don't want any bad blood with Jay-Z. That was just the nature of the business, but that's why people were up in arms about all that. So, yeah. That's all very interesting, Ricey. That like, Mm -hmm. that really shows the, you know, I guess for all of us, we're all attorneys and we say the complex like contract that, you know, complex contracts that are written to kind of just take ownership of people's, you know, property and just like their creativity, their intelligence and, you know. Yeah. It's like, it's like, right. It's also, even with this podcast, I mean, over time it's going to acquire value the more and more refined we are at this podcast. And um, that's, that's our property. I mean, that's a, that's your creation. And uh, you know, people are going to catch a win. I know it's going to catch a win and People are going to want to get engaged in deals and maybe acquisitions down the road. You never know, but it's your property. You got to know your value. And I think that's what Kanye is really putting out there that if you're creative, know the value of your creation and don't just give it away. And if you do happen to get in those situations, fight for it. So I think that's what he's on. It just sounds crazy because he calls himself the new Moses and all that. But I think he's got a point in what he's saying. No, I mean, for as much as like Kanye does like some wild, like inflammatory stuff, right? Um, he, this is like, this is an actual like legitimate point. Like it's your, cre- it's your creative, it's your creativity. It's your product. You did the work to get this thing going. Sure. You got help to like get all the resources to put it all together, to make the, to make it like highly refined and make it sound like, you know, whether it's the audio, whatever that all came together to make it sound just like pitch perfect. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's like the same thing with like the NBA, right? Like the NBA players get paid a lot of money because at, at the end of the day, it's look, if we're not playing. You're not getting the same product. Like you want us, you want the best, you got to pay us the best. And so I think Kanye in this instance is doing the same thing for music artists where he's like, look, we're getting like, we're getting the raw end of the deal over here. Like we're putting in all this work and then you make all the money from our concerts, from our albums, from whatever it gets sold, like for, for, all the royalties from whenever it's used in commercials, all the movies and so forth. What about us? You're not the one singing. You're not the one putting together. You're not the one writing all of this. I'm taking the time because one, I love this. And two, like, this is my hard work. And I think it has, you know, we need the shift to go back for like what, where all this is like actually created. And that's, that's a good part about for what, what Kanye is doing. And you know, who actually did a good job about this shout out to uh, uh, Joe Budden. Cause he hasn't, he hasn't taken anyone yet. And even Spotify, facts. Spotify, Spotify is try, like Spotify bought uh, Bill Simmons ringer. And like, it's funny when you heard like Joe Budden, just like slander Bill S- Simmons and, but Joe Budden, he's like, look, I know my value. It's like, if you're paying him 200 million, what am I worth? He's like, you pay 200 million for he, Joe Budden literally said this on the podcast. He's like, you pay 200 uh, million for a podcast system that hasn't even beaten us yet in ratings. We're still number one. We're still number one. 
we're still number one after like after the after acquiring the ringer and Joe Budden went on this rant because his family member was sick. I forget if it was mom or his dad. I forget which one, who it was. But, you know, Bill Simmons gives him a call saying, hey, you know, I know you're not recording right now. You need to record because, like, uh, you know, uh, was it uh, impressions are down and stuff like that. And Joe Budden is just like, dude, like, why are you calling me? Like, I've been with Spotify longer than you and I know what I'm doing. Like, I have a family matter to attend to. Like, recording can wait. Like, my family comes first. And after that, even after that, like they stopped recording for a little bit and then they came back, like after how long the hiatus was, they go back, they're still number one. And this is where Joe Bunn's like, I know my value. I'm waiting for this contract. And he is not for that reason. And so shout out to Joe Bunn for doing it. Right. And I'm a big fan of the podcast, Joe Bunn podcast as well, hearing all of that. He was, you know, it's basically saying that he wasn't, the podcast wasn't getting it, um, recognizing the value that they have in, they know that they're making there were number one podcasts out there in music and uh making nine figures for them in advertising revenue and all that. Um and yeah, I'd shout out to him for sticking, you know, sticking to his guns and knowing his value. I think they're done with the contract. They just had their last episode Saturday. So um it's all about artists taking ownership of the value of their work. Um we don't just give it away anymore. Um they need us. The people, the media, they need They need us. They need the talent. So the ones with the talent are the ones who should take control. And so it's that simple at the end of the day. So I'm, I'm glad that shift is being sent over there and people are recognizing. And it's easier with the internet now because you could just put whatever you need. You can put your work out and people will gravitate towards you. It's easier to get to, get to the viewers and listeners. So um, there's a great shift. I see there's a great shift going Big facts, big facts. I'm glad, I'm glad uh, we got, we're like randomly talking about this and we got two fans of the Joe Budden podcast. Cause I'm like, cause I'm actually like a random, like really big fan of Andrew Schultz, who was <laughs> like, I'm like a, a <laughs> the beef. Yeah, it's just so funny. Like I would, I have not talked about just any human being on earth. Like I'm just like a low key Andrew, I'm like a low key Andrew Schultz fan. Like I'm a big fan of his stand up. I also just love his, uh, pod, uh, his pod, Brilliant Idiots, with Charlemagne. Yeah. Also love um, the other pod he has with Akash Singh, and he has all that beef with him, like you said, with him and. I listen to all three of them. Like I listen to the Joe Bun podcast. I listen to Brilliant Idiots and Flagrant Two podcast, and it's just funny listening to the beef between all two, all three of them. They're really saying the same thing, yeah. just in different ways, and, and it's just really funny to see it. So I feel I feel you on that. Schultz has me die, but yo, you talk about worth. He's not worth no two hundred fifty million. <laughs> Come on, nah. And like who? Who button? Yeah. No, he's no. If you look at the, they're actually. If you look at the uh, the stats, they're actually probably the most popular music podcast, if not hip hop, at least. Maybe oh, if I was. Mm-hmm. I was just dying when he was talking about the 250 million. I was literally like, there was like, oh, he has a 250 million. And he started like hysterically laughing. I was dying. The, thi- the thing with like, with the thing with Button is like, he's specifically with Spotify. So like, people have legit just downloaded Spotify just to listen to his podcast. Like, if people are doing, th- like, you don't have to do that for the ringer. And honestly, like, I like the ringer. I'd be on the fence. But with Joe Button, like, you got to go like, get Spotify to like go listen to him or like, unless you want to listen to him 
on YouTube and listen to all the episodes. But if you want it right then and there, like. Uh, uh, number one, obviously people are doing that with Knicks, Jets, et cetera, right? Uh, de- of course. That's a no-brainer. But I, 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 listened to, I listened to Bill Simmons' BS podcast and the NFL and NBA Ringer on, um, on Apple Music. What are you talking about? On Apple Podcasts. I'm talking about Joe Budden. Oh, I thought, oh I, thought, I thought Bill Simmons was exclusive also. No, he's not exclusive. So, like, there's certain podcasts of his that are exclusive on Spotify, like, um, like The Hottest Take or something like that, which is, like, 15 minutes of just, like, really, like, wild hot takes. And it's just, okay. Like, he's so, like, part of his stuff is, like, through certain um, paid subscriptions, like Spotify or even Luminary. Like, if you want to hear, like, the whole Sonics, like, why the Sonics were, like, moved from Seattle and they went to OKC. He did, like, there's some, like, really good, like, journalistic for on Luminary for that. By the way, Bill Simmons, if you're listening to this, you're getting a lot of money right now, a lot of traffic going this way. We should definitely get a, a cut out of this right now, all right? <laughs> Just talk to me, Bill. You, I could give you my information. I'll have my people talk to your people, and we could, we could set this up, like, tomorrow. So... Oh, just give us a call, Bill. Please make sure that uh, Jason Concepcion's on the line too with Mallory Rubin and uh, Jason Gallagher. Uh, yeah. Also, I also want to make sure John Gonzalez and Dan Devine are on this too. I want everyone on this call. All right. Haley O'Shaughnessy, you could be on it too. The whole team. No, shout out Ryan Rosillo. Damn. You're not even going to shout out Ryan Rosillo right now? My boy. Ryan Rosillo is comical, but he's in the doghouse for me right now. I feel like I'm a literal combination between Ryan Rosillo and uh, Big Cat from Barstool. Like, I got, if you could combine those two people, that would be me. Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. But, yo, I guess uh, that concludes this episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Ricey, our wonderful producer, thank you for coming on and being such a great guest um, please let the people know. I know I gave that whole paragraph at the beginning, but please let the people know where they can find you. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is awesome. I mean, from being behind the scenes to being in the starting lineup, they put me in the game. They co- they put me in the game, coach. I'm so I'm so humbled. This and it's you, my guy. So this is is great. Um, you can find me. Well, you can find my music pretty much in all uh, DSPs, uh, Spotify. Apple Music, Title. Um, I'm also on YouTube. Um, I, I hate to be the guy that says Google, but if you search Ricey K R A I S I space K, you'll find pretty much everything on there. And also, please check out my newest podcast, Ricey K and Friends. We have our our own takes on current events, music, um, sports as well. So it's an honor. Honestly, it's really an honor and humbling. And uh, it won't be the last time. So you'll catch me back here again for some some fiery takes next time. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Um, and everyone, if like you love the Joe Bottom podcast or stuff like that, definitely check out Rice and Cane Friends. They say some wild, and I mean wild stuff. Jake Paul. Very. Jake Paul having Very. Paul is hilarious. <laughs> and. <laughs> Taking him out, I'm on that with you. Definitely. He's the athlete, okay? Uh, no, it's, just, it's just what's going to happen. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but thank you all. Nah, thank you, Ricey. But everyone, once again, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. And 
please tell your friends and your family. Just trying to grow this community as usual. But that's it for now. All right. Until next time, later this week, we'll get the Jets episode of this podcast. And hopefully John will be alive by then. So later, everyone. Let's go next.